Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Friday, January 5th. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. Plenty of people feel uneasy right now about artificial intelligence taking human jobs. But what if it took your entire professional identity? I'm talking decades of your research and writing, your manner of speaking, even your name. On the show today, Politico tech reporter Mohar Chatterjee introduces us to a psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania whose lifetime of work was turned into an AI chatbot by a fellow academic in China, all without his knowledge or consent. And the story only gets stranger from there. Hey, Marty. I've been feeling kind of anxious lately. I know I shouldn't complain, but it feels like if you can't keep up, you're going to get pushed out. And this job, with all of these AI breakthroughs, I don't know, man. I'm just a person. How do I even begin to compete with that? Hey there, friend. First off, let me just say it's completely okay to feel anxious, especially in a fast-paced field like journalism. The fact that you're reaching out is already a positive step. Now, let's unpack this together, shall we? It's true. We're living in a time of rapid technological advancement, and it can certainly be daunting. But remember, while AI is powerful, it doesn't possess the human touch, the creativity, the empathy, and the ability to connect deeply with others' experiences, qualities that are at the very heart of impactful journalism. You're good. Almost as good as OG Marty. It was a windy February evening in San Francisco when the real Martin Seligman found himself pondering his legacy at a dinner party. There were fewer people there than he was used to. Six of his colleagues had died in the early COVID years. And I mentioned to my companion that I have dreams about them and I have dialogues with them in the dreams. And he he said, well, does that make you more creative? And I said, no, because they're figments of my imagination. uh, And they don't tell me stuff that I don't in some sense already know. Seligman has spent his life researching human happiness. And he's laid the foundation for what's become the positive psychology movement. At 81, he thinks often about how his work will be remembered, how it'll be used by the generations to come. So... It felt serendipitous when Seligman received an email from a former graduate student the morning after the dinner party. It was from Yukun Zhao, now the vice director of Tsinghua University's Positive Psychology Research Center in China. Zhao's message was as simple as it was astonishing. His team had created a virtual Seligman. Zhao wasn't kidding. In a matter of months, by feeding every word Seligman had written or spoken in public speeches through cutting-edge AI software, his team had built an eerily accurate version of Seligman himself. A talking chatbot that sounded like a folksier version of the man. It delivered answers drawn from Seligman's ideas, and most importantly, anyone could talk to it. AI Seligman, cheerfully called Ask Martin by its creators, fascinated its muse. So the first thing I noticed was high quality. The second thing I looked for, having been reading the literature on uh, AI, 
was bullshit, inaccuracies, falsehoods, going off on its own. And uh, having now used it a couple of hundred times, I find zero bullshit and uh, virtually 99.9% accuracy as far as my own contribution would be. So it gave very good advice to people, and it was accurate. Now, this beta AI Seligman was built without his permission, although the human Seligman later gave his blessing. The Chinese-built virtual Seligman joins the ranks of internet chatbots modeled on real humans. Meta is experimenting with AI celebrity avatars, and you can already talk to AI versions of dead historical figures online. But Seligman's situation is different, and in a way, more unsettling. It has cousins in a small handful of projects that have effectively replicated living people without their consent. In Southern California, tech entrepreneur Alex Formansky says he turned to AI to process a breakup. He scraped the podcasts of Belgian celebrity psychotherapist Esther Perel and fed them through a public version of the AI software that drives ChatGPT. He says virtual Perel was just the expert he needed to counsel him through the heartbreak. It was a Sunday night, I believe, like late Sunday night when this thing first started to work. And I'm texting back and forth with AI Esther. And I woke up Monday morning with just the most sense of clarity I had over my past relationship and a sense of, of, of calm and ease about it. And it was just transformative for me. Formansky says AI felt like a way to make best-in-class psychotherapy available to the masses. If you listen to how Esther does her therapy sessions, she is often fairly curt and direct, and that was helpful for me. There's also a bit of just imagining in my head that this was Esther, and it, it gave me excitement and some trust around that as well. And look, I knew that this was not actually Esther Perel at all. I knew that this was a machine. And yet that knowledge, that feeling, that emotion uh, helped me open up more. He wrote about this experience in a blog post. That's how Perel learned that she'd been turned into a chatbot. She talked about it at the 2023 South by Southwest conference, where she called it artificial intimacy. We have been talking a lot about artificial intelligence, but what about the other AI? To what extent is artificial intelligence a conduit for artificial intimacy? Let me explain. When I read AI Esther's answers, I was impressed. It did sound like me at times, but it also felt like a caricature. It said all the right words, stuck to its script. No matter what I asked, though, it gave me a generic answer, like a fortune-telling machine at a carnival. And yet, her creator reported that after texting with A.I. Esther, he had, quote, the most clarity he'd ever had about his relationships. In quote, my experience was magical. Now, neither Seligman nor Perel have tried to shut their bots down. But if they'd wanted to, it's not clear that they could have. Training AI on copyrighted works isn't inherently illegal, although 
the whole process of AI development and deployment is on legally precarious ground right now. Shout out to our Twitter friends for having that conversation. If the real Martin had wanted to block access to the fake one, a replica trained on his own thinking, using his own words to produce all new answers, it's not clear that he could have done anything about it. In fact, using generative AI to create digital replicas illuminates a new kind of policy gray zone. And it's one some U.S. lawmakers are trying to address. Should AI, unlicensed AI, ingestion of copyrighted works by be considered fair use when the output of AI replaces or competes with the human-generated work. That's Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee speaking at a Senate Judiciary hearing in July. She's a co-sponsor of the bipartisan No Fakes Act, which would force the makers of AI-generated digital replicas to license their use from the original human. If the bill passes, people could authorize and profit from the use of their AI-generated likeness and bring lawsuits against those who didn't ask for permission. Already, the bill is a lightning rod. Artist unions love it, largely. Trade groups and think tanks say it would stomp on people's creative freedoms. But that's just in the U.S. Seligman's chatbot was made in China, and Perel is Belgian, even though her replica is based in the U.S. And international law? may not be prepared for these AI psychbots. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. The people behind AI Seligman and AI Perel say they didn't have profit in mind. Zhao told me he built the AI Seligman to help fellow Chinese citizens through an epidemic of anxiety and depression. China's mental health policies have made it rather difficult for citizens to get the confidential help they need from an outside therapist. And that demand for mental health services has soared over the past three years, under China's now-abandoned draconian zero-COVID policy. To Zhao, AI Seligman is a way to bring the benefits of positive psychology to millions in China. But given the current geopolitical climate in his country, he declined an appearance on the podcast. At the heart of it... Zhao saw the same potential in AI that Formansky saw, a means to access the knowledge locked away in the brains of a few really brilliant people. If you can get even 30, 40, 50% there, for someone who otherwise would never have any ability to reach that, to reach that level of expertise, to get that kind of domain knowledge, to get that kind of experience, then I think there's a lot of value there. And it democratizes access to knowledge, to experience uh, that otherwise you might not have had. Formansky said he's on cordial terms with Peril's team about the AI chatbot and had even spoken about pursuing something more collaborative. But when we reached out, Perel's representative said she has not endorsed, encouraged, or enabled Formansky or waived any of her rights to take legal action against him. They declined to provide any further details about her stance on the AI Perel. 
not everyone is thrilled that AI can copy people's vocal and intellectual traits, particularly without their consent. And it's not just about psychbots. In June, Arizona mother Jennifer DiStefano testified to the Senate Judiciary Committee that a scammer tried to extort a million dollars from her by using AI to mimic her teenage daughter's voice. When your child calls in need of help, will you end the call and say, I don't believe it's really you? Is this our new normal? Is this a future we are creating by enabling the abuses of artificial intelligence without consequence and without regulation? In October, I tuned into a roundtable where artists begged the Federal Trade Commission to regulate the creative industry's data handling practices. They pointed to the risk that singers, screenwriters, and fashion models might have to compete against their own AI replicas. Duncan Crabtree Ireland, who heads the entertainment union SAG-AFTRA, said actors had a lot to lose. Shouldn't the individuals whose intellectual property was used to train the AI algorithm be at least equally protected? An actor's brand is their voice, as is their likeness and their unique persona. And no company should be able to appropriate that and use it however they wish without permission. The FTC is listening. They just announced a $25,000 prize to whoever comes up with the best plan to protect consumers from deceptive uses of AI voice cloning. Meanwhile, there's plenty of demand for digital Martin Seligman. He told me other AI companies have contacted him and asked to license his body of work. And I said, no, I don't know you. I don't know what your motives are. And so I can't license this to you at this point. So it seems to me licensed versus unlicensed access is a good way for the viewer, listener, to discriminate validity of what they're asking about. It helps that Seligman is already something of a hero in the world of Chinese psychology. His theories are widely employed in Chinese early education. And Xiao thinks Seligman's popularity will help the AI quote-unquote coach stand out in the Chinese market. But even for the Chinese citizens Xiao hopes to help, there's a risk. For AI Seligman to help you, you've got to put your secrets into it. And the Chinese Communist Party's pervasive electronic surveillance policies mean the Chinese government could use that treasure trove of sensitive information about the AI's users to target dissidents. And Seligman is aware of that possibility. I think it's a species of the difference between discovering something in science and then trying to control it when people start applying it. So I don't know how to deal with the Chinese government. And I think that probably is a a danger indeed. And as a scientist who puts my work out there and allows people to use it, How it's used for good or for ill is simply out of control of those who discover new scientific findings. Even so, Seligman thinks his AI counterpart will do more good than harm in the world. It's enchanting to me at age 81 that what I've written about and discovered over 60 years in psychology could be useful to people long after I was dead. That is, I could be doing therapy and coaching in a responsible way beyond the grave. And um, that kind of legacy seems to me as close to immortality as a scientist can come.
That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Today's episode was produced by Kara Tabor and Philem Kine contributed reporting. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here on Monday. 